Hello, and welcome to the episodic audiobook series where I read to you books that I wrote and did the artwork for, and uh, in terms of the audio, did the music for. And uh, we are on our last episode for Into the Macrocosm. This new episode is uh, one of my favorites from this collection, which is known as Scrappers, and it really digs a lot deeper into the Harvesters universe, which was seen in the second episode where there was the harvesters going down uh, with the shepherds and they were collecting humans to understand their own distant past. Now we get to see the flip side with scrappers where the humans are surviving from the harvesters. It's a longer one, so definitely buckle in. We'll get our introduction from Malferetti's and the nameless one who is trying to figure out who they are. And then we get to explore apocalyptic earth with Angie and Ruggy. Nine. Man-eating birds. That's something new. One perk of being in this strange midway is that no one is chasing you. You have to solve your own memory problem, which is frustrating since you haven't made a ton of progress, and these witnessing experiences are starting to exhaust your mind. The memories are all seeping in like they're your own. The emotions, senses, all of it is now in your thoughts stronger than a dream. The other kin experience dissolves, and you wake up, collapsed on the sand. Welcome back, Malferetti says. Thanks. You get up, brushing the grains off yourself. I fell. I thought you said I was an observer. Yes, you are. You fell before this one started. Oh, so that was the lost continent. Zingalg, you ask. A portion of the region, yes, Malferetti says. Man-eating birds. The lost continent has many wonders, some never to be discovered by humans, Malferetti says. And it's lost. Depending on when you died, yes, eventually the continent collapses on its mystical forces taking all the fantastical creatures with it, sinking into the oceans. What? Land doesn't work that way. Yes, it can. Tectonic plates move. You scratch your head. Well, those bird people weren't familiar. Back in you go, then. Malferetti says, reaching for the bowl. Can we take a break? You ask. Malferetti squints. You're so keen on your breaks. Why? Just to process everything I've seen and felt. It's so much. Nonsense. Everything has already happened, is going to happen, and is happening. Your idea of time is constructed by the linear thought process you humans use. That's how time works, though. No, that happened due to the creation of language. Is that so? You ask. Yes, the trees nor the animals worry about minutes or hours. Their time in life is in the now, the closest thing that is tangible to being real. Then, eventually, they pass and return to the dirt. Relish in their spirit, for you have nothing to fear. 
Besides, feeling them is only temporary, as you experienced in your death. Another memory that doesn't matter since you are here at this moment. You sigh, choosing to humor the ghoul. His words of philosophy and space-time are not helping. You're not sure if you even grasp his strange explanations. Fine. Maybe pick something less thrilling. Let's see what we can do, Malfaretti says, scooping up another droplet of the black liquid from the bowl. You take another deep breath, preparing yourself for the unknown. The droplet falls, hitting your eye. Into the observer state you go. Scrappers. Big picture. We try to stay hidden by staying underground. People like me have to go to the surface, though. When we do, we do our best to keep noise levels down and stay light-footed. You'd be amazed at how well satellites can pick up the alteration of the landscape from the skylines. Even the smallest detail, like a footprint, can be detected by their drones. Stealth is all we have until we find a better way to fend them off. There are probably a dozen names given to them. Everyone has a grudge for something they did or someone that they took. The godly, gene freaks, anti-sapiens, or whatever your choice of phrase is, we all know them as the Harvesters. The Harvesters always return to Earth. They come for us. They find us. No matter how well we hide. Angie, get with it, came a croaky voice. My eyes shot up at the sound. A man was looking over at me, the orange hue from the setting sun casting sharp shadows on his leathery skin. The neon green LED lights from his goggles shined right at me. Ruggy, my partner, we had a mission. Gather scraps. Sorry, I said. I wasn't really here. My thoughts had dragged off into big picture nonsense about the world, our attempts to survive, stuff that Ruggy wouldn't care about hearing. Keep your mind on why we're on the surface. I don't want to be here either, but there aren't any options. He adjusted his rifle under his arm, holding the gun at a 45 degree angle, gaze forward. Magnify your map and stay on course. The operator said that there is an amplitude of metal not far from here. The Lost I adjusted the interface display with my goggles. With a twitch of my eyelid, the goggles changed the glass to project night vision. Another subtle eye movement caused the UI to zoom in on the map that displayed at the corner of my view, showing a detailed landscape as we walked on the rubble. Well, a map of what everything used to look like. These maps aren't helpful, I said. They're well over a century outdated. I looked at the top-down view of the geographical location of the map. It showed skyscrapers, roads, and complete pathways. With my naked eye, all I could see was a charcoal skyline, rubble-covered ground, and nature attempting to grow new green life in between the concrete cracks. It's the best that we have to work with, said Ruggy. Us scrappers always get the low-tech stuff. Isn't that the truth, I said. There wasn't much point in discussing the topic. He was right. Scrappers were a low rank. That was why we stuck together. Plus, I knew what Ruggy was thinking. Shut up and do your job. 
It was tough to do just that. We were in the middle of a long-forgotten civilization trying to find old metal scraps, praying that we wouldn't be detected by the harvesters. Not exactly motivating. This seems like a waste of time for us, I said. We've never gone this far into the lost. Yeah, well, Ruggy said. We've raided the closer past cities. We don't have much choice but to go farther in. I scanned the ground in front of me, squeezing the rifle tight. There were washed out yellow painted smooth stones mixed in with grey rocks. These were once roads, and this was what was left of them. I'd seen complete streets in the archive photos before. Never had I seen such large chunks of remnants in person. All of this seems surreal, I said. These people used to live in peace before it all went south. They didn't think so. Spoiled pricks arguing over trivial things, Ruggie said, taking a turn down an archway. Down here, he said. I followed behind him, looking at the massive archway. It was large enough to house a 12-man transport shuttle. What makes you say that? I asked. They weren't happy and tried to change the world, which got us into this mess, Ruggie said. I suppose. Ruggie had a point. The past civilizations were the ones that brought humanity into a technological revolution. I just like to imagine there was a better world at some point in time. They only wanted to do what was good for us, I said. Are you that naive? Come on, kid, Ruggie said. The writers of the history books always make themselves look as good as they can, even if they are on the losing side. I am sure that the harvesters paint a pretty glorified image of their past, justifying why they do what they do. Good is relative. If you don't trust the history books, what do you trust? I asked. Well, I don't trust much. I do know not to trust one stupid book. That's been the issue with humanity for centuries. We put our trust in a single book. Now, we're living the greatest downfall from repetition of history. My pace slowed as we reached a massive semi-complete structure. It was about one-third of a sculpted head, a bearded man with a sharp nose and long hair. Although, it was difficult to tell from the missing pieces rested sideways. Amazing, I thought while looking up at the mountain in the near distance. A pile of rubble surrounded the wrecked sculpture's base. An educated guess would be the head had tumbled down the mountainside during an explosion. That was my best guess. I really had no idea. Gods on repeat. I picked up my pace, realizing Ruggie had continued without me. Once I caught up, I said, It isn't all from one book, though. There's bureaucracy, corruption, and human greed to take into account. True, but they shrouded in justification from their holy books. Yeah, it's tragic. We kept repeating the past. It's ridiculous. We used to believe in super beings, gods in the sky that judged our lives. The last holy book was science, and it was just as bad as the rest. And the scientific revolution wasn't much different from religion, I said, looking at Ruggie's leathery face. Why's that? He asked, because the harvesters turned themselves into gods in the sky, judging us. Ruggie chuckled. How poetic. I couldn't tell if he was being his typical unenthusiastic self or if he was actually impressed with what I said. It was hard to know with Ruggie. 
He always had the same attitude towards everything. The two of us continued down the uneven path, hopping over large clumps of city remains and the few plants that had grown over the past world. Looking at it all made a part of me want to just go to the back of the cruiser and give up. Gathering scraps was tedious, and the lost was depressive to look at. It wasn't like I had much choice though. Scrapping was all I was good at. I didn't have any other skills that could help humanity survive. There were no education systems for me to go to either. People that possessed knowledge from the past carefully chose who they shared that info with. We had to operate this way. With no time for everyone to learn everything, we learned one skill fast and stuck to it. The harvesters were technologically advanced, mentally superior, and physically herculean. We couldn't wait around for people to make wishes about what they wanted to do. The higher commands would run us through rigorous tests, analyze what we performed best at, and that would be what we'd do until the day we died. It was that simple. Here's food for thought, Ruggie said as he reached the top of a steep rock. Playing off what you said about the harvesters being living gods and such, he extended his hand for me. Yeah? I asked, taking his hand to pull me up. You ever fathom that humanity is just repeating itself? What do you mean? I asked, panting and looking down at my health cuff. The screen lit up with a flick of my wrist. It stated we were just over 50 kilometers from our cruiser. I thought that was a lot, but seeing that Ruggie hadn't even broken a sweat made me feel like a goof. I'd have to get on a tighter exercise routine when we got back to base. The harvesters, Ruggie said. They were us at one point. Gods are only projections of what we wish to be. They had the means to become that. And become that they did. Perhaps humanity has gone through similar routes in the past, and religious books are just history books about them. You mean like what the babblers are doing? I raised my eyebrow with a smirk. The idea was humorous. You know babblers are just desperate to find meaning in all of this by speaking about it like some prophecy. Exactly my point. The babblers are no different than any prophet. I take it you never got familiar with any of the archives' religious texts. No, can't say that I have, I said. I'm a scrapper, I rarely have time to read. Yeah, but you're also in your twenties. Ah, don't worry about it. I was a baboon at that age too, chasing all the fucks I could get. My nostrils flared. Who did Ruggie think he was? Summing me up as some young, horny, uneducated kid. He had a way of belittling people. But unfortunately, I had to work with him. Scrappers stuck together once chosen. Scrappers code. Anyway, Ruggie said, after my prolonged rage silence, perhaps the past religions like Christianity, Hellenism, Hinduism, you name it, all had holy men who saw things for what they were. Ruggie brought out his hand. I'm not saying this is the kind of stuff that I believe in, but just playing off of your idea. I smirked. Really? You know a damn lot more than I do about religion. You sure you're not becoming a babbler? Zip it. Just throwing the idea out there that maybe this isn't the first time humanity has surpassed itself and went for the stars, leaving the rest of us down here. It's a wild theory. I wasn't sure what else to say. Ruggie knew a lot more about humanity's past than I did, and it wasn't worth challenging him. As he put it so delicately, I was just a young, horny kid. 
His statement had me wondering, though. Was humanity just repeating itself? Did the past civilizations turn humans into gods, like the harvesters? It was a crazy idea, and no one truly knew the truth. History was distorted. The details of how they went for the cosmos and left us here was a convoluted and confusing rabbit hole that wasn't worth going down. Trust me, I've tried. Every fact about how humanity's split began contradicted itself. Retrieval. I followed behind Ruggy as we continued down the mapped out path projected on the goggle screens. Of course, the goggles could only estimate where we went. It wasn't like we had any satellites to work with. Satellites would be a giant flag to attract harvesters. The chip's processor were attached to our health cuffs. They did some weird science algorithm tech thing that was beyond my understanding. All I knew was that the map talked to the cuff and they could estimate my steps with the city's map size. Looks like we're almost there, Ruggy said. So the operator found some jackpot from their AI algorithms or what? I still don't know why we had to come this far, I said. I don't know, Angie. That isn't my department, nor yours. They tell us where to go, and we get the scraps. That's all. Right, I said, while tightening my grip on my rifle. We had never gone this far out into the loss before. The fact that we'd left our cruiser so far behind made me uncomfortable. If a harvester were to show up, we would be on our own. We couldn't outrun them. That would be pointless. We had no transportation. We were sitting ducks on foot. Ruggy brought his rifle up as we turned the corner. The smell of burning metal picked up. This was abnormal. Burning smells meant someone had been here recently. Nothing should be burning in the lost. Those fires and explosions happened long before our time. I used my eyelids to navigate through the goggles interface. The screen projected a keyboard and message thread between Ruggy and I. My eyelids twitched in swift movements, stringing together alphabetic characters into words. Do you smell that? I typed out in the chat. Yeah, keep your guard up. Ruggy typed back as he descended a rocky, narrow path. I felt the sweat build up on my pits and on my palms. Whatever this was, it wasn't part of our standard protocol. The operators typically had us find piles of rubble to dig through and snag metal. This was something different. We continued down the path, creeping slowly to avoid loose rocks. The last thing we needed was to make a noise. Ruggy reached the end of the steep decline to where the path opened up. Smoke rose from the open, charcoaled ground. Even with the goggles' enhanced vision, neither Ruggy or I could make out what was in front of us. I raised my rifle as I reached Ruggy's side, stopping right in front of the opening. My eyelids moved, typing, I can't see anything. Nor can I, Ruggy wrote. You sure this is the right place? I asked. Yeah, check the map yourself. The map was pretty accurate when it synced with the health cuff. Plus, there was only rubble all around us. There was nothing of interest here other than this mysterious smoke and burning smell. What do we do? I asked. We're scrappers. We scrap. Whatever it is. Ruggy stepped forward. He didn't look back, expecting me to follow. I had to. Ruggy was right. We were scrappers. With that in mind, I took a deep breath and marched alongside Ruggy into the smoke. As we got closer, 
The smell heightened and gave me a strange stinging sensation. It overpowered my senses, and I couldn't smell anything else. Shit, I wanted a mask at this point. Scrappers always got the leftover supplies and never the ones we needed. At least we had the goggles. They kept our eyes clear as we moved through the unknown. I stayed slightly behind Ruggy, making sure nothing came from his sides or behind us. We entered the thick of the haze, not able to see beyond a few feet. As we stepped further in, the smoke morphed to an orange-red hue. Burning, Ruggy typed. It's a crash? I responded. A roar erupted from the brighter flames further ahead. We raised our rifles as a humanoid silhouette rose from the flaming ground, deformed from the light. Large limbs reached up for the sky, too large to be human. The roar morphed into a howling groan, a sound of agony. Harvesters, Ruggy typed. You sure? I replied. Positive. What else crash lands on Earth? Harvesters never crash land. Maybe, but there's nothing else in space. What about that theory you just came up with? Past civilizations going for the stars? Shut it, kid. Do as I say. What? Shoot first, ask questions later. I exhaled. A part of me was annoyed. There were so many questions that we hadn't answered. We were making choices that were beyond our rank. Whatever we were witnessing was not a scrapper's role. Harvester or not, this was something we needed to report. There was also the fact we could end up killed. Scrappers were about stealth and retrieval, not engaging in combat. We should call it in, I typed. We can't, remember? Ruggy replied. We're in a local channel. Helps with stealth. Let's get back to the cruiser then. The operator will want to know about this. Walk 50k? This thing will be gone by then. We shoot it, call it in. I wasn't sure what else to say to Ruggy. We wouldn't be able to make it back to the cruiser reporting the find and expect to find whatever it was we'd found to be here still. Action was needed. Besides, Ruggy had his mind made up regardless of any protocol. He wanted to find out what this was. I had no other choice. I couldn't leave him behind. Scrapper's code. Dual Freaks Flames crackled. Our boots pushed the loose gravel aside with each step. My heart pounded as sweat beaded off my face. I kept my eyes on my partner, Ruggy, who moved closer to the flickering orange heat, the only light in the night. The goggles tried to balance out the contrast of light and dark, but were of little use. One thing was clear in our view, the silhouette of that muscular arm reaching for the skies. The small UI chat message window at the bottom corner of the goggles lit up as Ruggy typed out a new message. Let's circle around. We're headed straight for it, he typed. My eyelids twitched, navigating the chat program's keyboard typing. Got it, I replied. The two of us circled the target as a haunting groan came from the silhouette's location. The arms moved down to the ground. The being was trying to push itself up. It was wounded. How injured, we didn't know. Ruggy and I had to be cautious. This thing was looking more and more like a harvester. As bold as Ruggy was for investigating the fire, I was not. I wanted to get the hell out of here as quickly as we could. The lack of sight, the unusual stinging smell, 
and this massive being were enough to send me heading for the cruiser. But Ruggie needed me. Scrappers stuck together. There was no other option. Scrapper's code always came first. Another sound screeched through the fire. This one was more distant, violent. Ruggie and I turned to the origin, trying to spot anything. Large, torn scraps of metal pierced through the ground, the remnants of some sort of spacecraft. There's two, Ruggie typed out. That didn't sound the same, I replied. No shit, stay on guard. Wrestling came from the original silhouette as it attempted to stand upright, limping. A second screech erupted. The target reached for an object on the ground, a large spear. See? Harvester, Ruggie typed. The spear was a clear indicator of a harvester. All humans knew it. They used those damned electrically charged weapons to numb us. Harvesters needed us in good shape, ideally, but that didn't mean they weren't afraid of brutal force. What's the plan? I asked. The harvester leaned heavily onto its spear, holding the rod tightly. Okay, it was critically wounded. Kill it, Ruggie typed. A howling shriek boomed before I could type anything. A new, bulky humanoid burst from the flames, naked. Claws, spikes, all were colliding with the harvester. The two humanoids tumbled onto the ground towards us, skidding to a stop. We leaped back as they came into view, rifles aimed. Paradolia. The entangled, burnt lump of bloody limbs wrestled, each being trying to get on top of the other. I froze, staring at the harvester, who landed with its back on the ground. The helmet was half complete. Hardened foam caked around the damaged edges, revealing the face of the harvester. It had blonde patches of hair, most of which had scorched off the scalp. It scowled, blue eyes staring vigorously at its opponent. The harvester's large arms shook violently, holding onto the primitive being's wrists. The second humanoid, slightly shorter, drooled with sharp jaws open. Spikes pointed upright all along the back and outer limbs. The clawed feet hooked into the thighs of the harvester, puncturing the flesh. Reddish-green blood poured out of the wounds. Shoot! Ruggie ordered. I didn't reply. I could only stare at the harvester's eyes as it wrestled with the naked beast. Harvesters were taller than us. More perfect, you could say. More muscular and relentless. Yet, they were once us. An ear-shattering clack erupted from Ruggie's rifle. Clack, clack, clack. He kept firing as the automatic weapon projected the bullets into the harvester and beast. The harvester yelped in pain. A human cry. The creature howled like a dog. It ripped its claws free from the harvester and landed on all fours, dashing away from the scene, blood drizzling on the ground behind it. I lifted my rifle and pulled the trigger, firing as the creature disappeared from the crash site, vanishing into the lost. Shit, I thought. Ruggie shouted, Eat it, Gene Freak! As he continued to fire at the harvester, the bullets pinged off the remaining armor. The exposed skin was defenseless, letting the bullets pierce into the flesh. Blood splattered all around. Its eyes squinted in agony as red and green liquid oozed out of its mouth. I turned my weapon to the harvester and paused. No human had been this close to a harvester before, especially in such a defenseless state. A part of me wanted to try and help the harvester, reason with it, show the being that we weren't that different after all. 
we could create a paradigm shift between the two species. No, it had been tried before. It was a foolish idea. No traces. He's going to spray, Ruggy shouted. Ruggy's words shot me out of my internal dilemma. The harvester managed to reach for his inner bicep, fingers pressing a touchscreen that lit up red. Go, Ruggy said, snagging my arm. A loud beep came from the harvester's torn up suit as small black holes opened all over the armor. Translucent liquid sprayed out of the suit in all directions and over the harvester with sizzling sounds. The acid liquid came into contact with the harvester and the ground fizzling loudly. We barely made it out of the vicinity. The liquid had wholly covered the harvester, causing a chemical reaction, transforming it to foam and expanding in size. The harvester clenched its teeth in pain as the foam ate away its armor and flesh. The foam's color shifted into a light green as the rest of the harvester's form was shrouded in the foam substance. Damn it, Ruggy said. I looked over at him to see that some of the liquid had gotten onto his shoulder. He tried to brush it off as it frothed. I think it ate through my coat. It's compressing, he said. The foam had stopped expanding, turning a slight red, proof that it had eaten some of his flesh. It's toughening, I said, looking at it. Don't get too close, kid, Ruggy said, stepping back. Shit, it stings. We gotta get back to the cruiser and take care of it. It's not that bad. It hardened. It doesn't matter if we slice it off now or later, Ruggy said, his gaze locking onto the harvester's consumed form. The froth engulfed the being. Snapping sounds rose, bones being crushed by the hardened fizz that had begun to compress. Only a blob remained, in a rough, humanoid pose. The surrounding ground had speckles of the foam in a light gray. Even the droplets of fizz continued to compress inward, crushing the rocks and the harvester underneath. Anti-sapien piece of shit, Ruggy said while walking towards it. They always manage to pull off that stunt just when we get them. I've never seen that before. I mean, I've seen videos of it in training, I replied while walking up to Ruggy. Not the same, is it? Not at all. We really can't cut the foam open? No point. The acid eats away the surface, and the foam crushes everything else. Plus, this shit is harder than diamond once it shrinks," Ruggy said, kicking the foam on the ground. If we could ever get our hands on even a fraction of their tech, it could change everything. Or understand their biology better, I replied. They look so human. Ruggy sighed. Don't let their appearance fool you next time. When I say fire, fire. Understand? Yeah, sorry, it just threw me off. I've never seen one without their suit. Most don't, because they pull off that stupid self-destruct system. Remember, just because they look like a perfect us doesn't mean that they are. Their minds are all fucked up with the superiority complex and gene editing. Right, I said, turning to look at the fire in the nearby torn metal. What do you think happened here? I asked. Ruggy shrugged. The harvester crashed. The question is, what the hell is it doing with that other thing? I don't know. It ran away before I could do anything about it, I replied. Ruggy walked away from the foam-caked harvester and towards the ship's remains. It was fast. Now it's wandering the lost. That's something we gotta report. 
We should go back, I said. Not yet. Let's scope out the rest of this mess. The operator sent us here. Let's see what's going on, Ruggie said, approaching the flames. I followed Ruggie, taking one last look at the deceased harvester. The fizz had compressed to a solid state, roughly outlining the shape of a giant humanoid like some sort of dried acid statue. Never before had I been so close to a harvester. Most people that were didn't survive. The harvesters were too fast, too strong, and too cunning. If that thing hadn't been wounded and attacked, we would be dead. That was a guarantee. In an odd turn of events, that hostile beast was our savior. Review Ruggie and I walked cautiously through the rubble of the harvester's spacecraft. There were remnants of cables and hardware on the ground, too burnt to try and sample. We continued deeper into the mess. Most of the ship had been wrecked in the crash. Plus, harvesters had a pretty clean method of destroying their technology, like they do with themselves. Anything valuable on board or that was part of their ship was disintegrated. Some good metal here, Ruggie typed out. Yeah, I'll get the rover, I replied while navigating through the goggles interface. My eyelids made slight movements to get to the rover's retrieval command. The interface confirmed the rover's signal. It'd be here in no time to carry the scraps. It was always wise for scrappers to wait till they found something of value before calling the rover. Rovers were expensive, and the one good piece of tech scrappers got. They saved scrappers' asses from having to haul heavy scraps. The last thing they needed was for a harvester to destroy it. We might need the whole cruiser at this point, Ruggie typed out while walking around a large curved exterior section of the craft. He carefully avoided nearby flames and sharp pieces of metal that stuck out of the ground. Yeah, let's just see what else is here and then we can call this in, I replied. We stopped several times looking to see if there was anything useful on the ground. Most of it was just strips. The type of things we'd usually gather. Regardless of the danger, we both knew that this was going to be a good scrapping session. The operator would be pleased. Check this out, Ruggie typed. I hurried up to my partner to see a human-sized, glass-like pod shattered on the ground. It was probably not glass, but something harvester equivalent. The broken pod was half melted away and a third missing. Tubes were at the base of the cylinder shape. Think that beast came out of there? I asked. Maybe, Ruggie said in a low tone. Look, he added. Several smaller pods were beside the large one. These were a little cracked but still intact. Inside the pods were flesh sacks floating in a transparent substance. The sacks were a light pink color but semi-transparent. Inside, small baby-like beings floated. Their eyes were closed, sleeping peacefully undisturbed by the chaos that had just occurred. What are these? I asked, leaning down. Ruggie extended his arm out, stopping me from tilting any further. Stay up, he ordered. One of the small creatures wiggled, moving its tiny undeveloped hand around in the sack. An umbilical cord was attached to the belly and connected to the top of the sack. These are infants, I said, standing upright. No, they're not, Angie. Ruggie said, pointing his rifle at the baby. Are you dense? I asked. I know what a damn baby looks like. 
Yeah, but this was a harvester's craft, Ruggie replied. I shook my head. Harvesters capture people. They take us to mess with genetics. This is a damn baby. They also grow their people in incubators. So even if it is a harvester baby, it's a life, I argued. A harvester life. Or maybe that beast we saw, Ruggie replied. Either way, it isn't one of us. Ruggie, are you listening to yourself? You want to shoot these infants? Ruggie let go of his rifle and threw a swift hand across my face, striking me, probably turning my cheek pink. My eyes widened, feeling my flesh hum from the aftermath. Angie, wake up. These are not humans, Ruggie shouted. They're genetic freaks. They forced their DNA away from us. They look similar, but so did the great apes, and look at how we treated them when they were around. I swallowed a thick lump of saliva. Ruggie was trying to be a good person, but I knew he was getting frustrated. The slap was, nice Ruggie. Mean Ruggie would have decked my ass and just done what he wanted. He was only trying to educate me. I know it's tough to grasp, Ruggie said. We're living in a fucked up world where the lines of being human are blurred. This is why we stick to the code. It's us against them. Harvesters broke all morals centuries ago when they edited their first DNA strand. Even if we saved these offspring and tried to raise them, they don't grow like us, and they don't think like us. They'll question themselves, and that is a can of worms we don't need. Now raise your damn rifle. Ruggie lifted his weapon, pointing at one of the pods. I stared down at the second pod, looking right into the small being's soft face. It wiggled around gently in the sack, stopping until it was facing me. Its eyes flicked open, white, nothing but a white ball inside of the eye socket, inhuman. We fired at the pods. The bullet shattered through the glass, ripping through the embryo sacs and shredding into the small beings. The translucent liquid poured out of the broken glass, followed by streams of reddish-green fluids. Heading home. The idea of wiping off this gunk was the one thing that kept me going. We had to get back to the cruiser if I wanted a cloth to get all the sweat and blood off me. It turned out those embryo sacs splattered good. The mix of sweat from the intense heat of the spacecraft crash added to the disgusting factor. I couldn't wait to get out of this mess and back to the cruiser. We were scrappers though. It was our job to get whatever goods there were from the location the operator gave us. It was that simple. What we did today, I had a hard time grasping. We killed the children. Harvester or not, they were living, conscious beings. The idea of sparing harvesters was an unpopular opinion. I knew it. That was why I didn't say it often. In the moment, I guess I lost control of myself. Ruggie got me to focus, to remember the training, and we annihilated the infants. After our rover arrived, we started doing what we did best, scrap. The harvester spacecraft had plenty of raw materials to gather. The damn gene freaks were smart with their tech. Most of it had self-destruct functions built in. It was unlikely we'd be collecting anything of value other than the metal. A couple of hours of scrapping proved it true. Only raw materials. Another job done. We loaded the rover and returned to the cruiser. I always found the excess humming of the machine's motor from the cargo weight soothing. 
since it reinforced that we were on our way home. The beast we shot left blood and footprints in the ash. It had retreated deeper into the lost. A confusing mix of fear and curiosity took hold of me. I wanted to know what it was, despite knowing the dangers. Maybe that was how the harvesters eventually edited their DNA. Curiosity of the unknown and fear of moral lines breaking forever. Either way, that beast wasn't our mission. We'd report the finding and get back to base. More than anything, I wanted to get out of this wasteland. The old world was unsettling. Every time we entered the Lost, I found it hard to believe that there used to be another civilization before this mess. En route. We marched back to the cruiser with the rover behind us, the six wheels adjusting with the shocks against the uneven surface. The cruiser was barely in view. It was probably another half hour's walk away. I held my rifle tightly, looking at all the nearby rubble. That beast was still out there. I couldn't help but wonder if it would come back. We had no idea what or where it was. The harvesters dabbled in modifying all sorts of genetics. It could be another human for all we knew. We've got to get some intel as to why the operator took us out here, Ruggy said. Yeah, it seems odd they'd send a scrapper team out here, I replied. A military unit might have been more useful. One would think. Quite frankly, I am not impressed. Why is that? We're disposable. The military is not. They knew it was a harvester crash site, and they wanted to get to it before the harvesters did. Right, for the metal. And we did. Ruggy looked up to the gray and black sky. Thankfully, no more harvesters showed up. The harvesters were usually quick to come and retrieve their deceased. Lucky for us, we got there first. In truth, we knew why the operator had sent us here. Still, it would be good to hear it from the source. Until then, we did our job and made sure we stayed alive. No one else had our backs. Ruggy and I reached the cruiser. With a few subtle eye movements, I used my goggles interface to open the cruiser's back hatch. The rover automatically rolled in with the scraps of metal. We went after, letting the hatch door close with a satisfying hiss from the hydraulics. We were out of here. I took off my goggles and blinked a couple of times. My eyes burned any time I used those damn interfaces. It didn't matter how frequently I had the goggles on. I never got used to the light beaming right in my face. Angie, Ruggy said, taking his goggles off. Mind starting the cruiser? I've got to take a shit. Yeah, I said. Classic Ruggy, I thought. Relief. We split from the hangar bay. I made a quick stop at the storage closet to snag that small towel I'd longed for before entering the cockpit. Wiping my face of the blood and sweat was so fulfilling. I sat down in the driver's seat and flicked the machine on, feeling a wave of relief as I continued to remove that grunge from my skin. Harvester baby fluid. Disgusting. The cruiser roared to life as I gripped the steering wheel with my gloves. Now we could go home. I pressed the acceleration pedal while turning the wheel, moving the large vehicle around. The dashboard directly below the windshield lit up with a locally saved map. It was the familiar system that the goggles used and had gotten us to the crash site. The system said we were about halfway through the night. Thankfully for us, 
the dark offered some shielding from the harvester spacecraft. Sure, they had night vision like we did, but when it came to survival, every little bit helped. Ruggie stepped into the cockpit and sat in the shotgun seat. He pulled out a small box from his pant pocket and flicked it open, revealing numerous small white sticks. Are those? I asked, glancing at him. Yeah, smokes. Want one? Give it, I said, extending my hand. Ruggie passed me one as he flicked a lighter, lighting my smoke first. I took a puff of the cigarette and let out a small cough. Man, it had been a while. The taste of nicotine soothed my nerves. I needed that and a good bottle of whiskey to wash away the day. Where'd you get these? I asked while puffing on the smoke. I know some folks back at base, Ruggie said, putting his feet up on the dashboard. Tobacco is hard to come by, I said, eyes on the road. I know. Trust me. You did well today, kid. You earned it. Thanks. I brushed my hair aside, exposing my ear. That wasn't easy. I know, Ruggie said. That's why I said you did well. What do you think the operator will have to say about this? Not much. They never do. Operators just run it up the pipeline, and it will be delegated to the right department. That's how these things work. Truthfully, I am a little pissed that they had us go all the way out here. Get over it. It will happen again. We're replaceable. I tightened my one hand on the steering wheel. Ruggie's bluntness annoyed me. He didn't seem to mind that we were just numbers when it came to the higher-ups. But we had more value than that. I knew we did. If it weren't for us, humanity wouldn't have any raw materials to work with. The Call Speaking of, Ruggie said, flinging his feet off the dashboard, let's call this in. He reached for the touchscreen in the middle of the dashboard and navigated through the system's interface. The speakers rang, then clicked. This is Operator 43S3, Unit S89. Do you reply? Came the operator's distorted voice. Hey, Operator, Ruggie said. S89, have you reached the assigned location? The operator asked. Done and scrapped. We're on our way back. Several seconds of silence passed. What did you call for then? About the scrap. Did you know it was a harvester crash site? More silence. You had us rush out here in the middle of the night? Ruggie persisted. We'll want a full report of your findings when you return to the base. The operator said. Yeah, I get that. That's protocol. But I think we should chat with someone about what we saw. Silence. Hello? Ruggie asked. The cruiser made several beeping noises. A red dot appeared on the dashboard's map. That was never a good sign. Someone else was in the area. The question was, who? From the details on the map, the cruiser's sensors detected the motion was above ground. Aerial. Another spacecraft. Operator 43S3, are there any ships in the area? I asked. Don't bother, kid, Ruggie said. If those were our ships, we'd know. Ruggie pressed the touchscreen, cutting the communication off with the operator. He flicked some additional switches that shut off the exterior lights. I brought the cruiser to a halt and turned off the engine. This was protocol. Unidentified spacecrafts meant only one thing. Harvesters. We couldn't have this cruiser radiating transmission signals and lights. I watched the map fade out. 
the red dot getting closer as the cruiser turned off, leaving us in the dark with nowhere to go. This thing doesn't use any global positioning, I said. How did they find us? No, the maps are local, Ruggie said, eyeing the sky. He puffed on his smoke. Looks like the harvesters came for their crashed spaceship after all. I inhaled the cigarette while looking out the windshield. Dirt, ruins, and a dark sky. There's no sign of anything. The cloudy night sky was working against us. We remained silent, both watching in anticipation. The harvesters had to be near. The cruiser's sensors were pretty accurate, and we had a poorly timed calling with the operator. Chances were that they detected the frequency of the transmission. Visitors. There, Ruggie said. A humming sound rose as lights appeared in the sky, piercing through the clouds, projecting onto the ground below. The beam moved through the ruined landscape, moving onto various cracks and sheltered areas. They're looking for something, I said. Yeah, us, Ruggie said. A smaller, blue light came down from the blaring light. A craft came out of the clouds and descended to the ground on the other side of the hill. It was probably a good hundred paces away. The dark made it tough to see the details of the craft. There were only bright lights. We can't stay here, Ruggie said. We can't turn the engine on, I argued. They'll see us. Ruggie nodded. That leaves us with one option. No, I said, already knowing. We've got to abandon the cruiser. My heart sunk. We were floating corpses at this point. Without the cruiser, we also had no way of getting home. We'd be stuck in the lost. Grab the survival packs. Don't waste any time, Ruggie said, extinguishing his smoke. He got up from his seat and hurried out of the cockpit. I stared at the distant lights, seeing smaller purple glows trickling out of the landed craft. Harvesters, holding glowing pulse cannons. They were on foot. There was no way we'd be able to fight them. Running was our only hope. I took one last inhale from my smoke, possibly my last ever, and dropped it to the floor, stepping on the drag. It was time to act. Ruggie and I gathered all the supplies we could into emergency backpacks and met up in the hangar bay. We swung the packs over our shoulders, strapped on the goggles, got our rifles in hand, and buckled our ammunition belts. Showtime. We can come back, Ruggie said, presuming the harvesters don't blow the cruiser up. A loud thump came from on top of the vehicle. It was directly above us. We froze. A moment passed. Another thump. Then a roar. Something was on the roof outside. Visitor. That ain't no harvester, Ruggie said, lifting his rifle. That thing from the crash site. I said. Scratching and pounding picked up. The tearing of metal reverberated throughout the cruiser. The beast was attempting to break in. Just what we needed. We can sneak out the side, Ruggie said, leaving the hangar bay. I followed him, keeping my rifle low. The tearing of metal amplified as a loud clang erupted. A howling roar echoed in the hangar bay, followed by a thud. The beast landed inside. Ruggie and I picked up our pace, closing the hall door in the process, hopefully buying us some time. We reached the side exit near the cockpit. Ruggie began to punch in the emergency pin to open the door. With the cruiser entirely off, 
We had no way of communicating with it from our goggles interfaces. Everything was manual. Thumping erupted from the hall. It was closing in. I looked back. There, behind the small circular window of the hall door, the muscular beast from the crash site stood on its hind legs, looking like a swollen, muscular humanoid. The black and red spikes on its back erected as the drooling mouth opened, exposing the sharp teeth. It let out a roar, slamming its clawed hand into the glass. It shattered, pushing the door forward with it. Ruggy, I shouted. Ruggy finished punching the pin into the door's lock, and the door lifted. We rushed out of the cruiser as Ruggy turned around, punching the button to lock the door, letting it swing back down as stomping came from inside. It had broken through the hall, the side door locked shut as the beast's feet appeared, its body slamming into the side of the cruiser, roaring. The whole vehicle wobbled. I'd never seen anything shake a cruiser. I couldn't fathom the strength of that beast. Damn manual override, Ruggy said. He glanced around while placing his goggles over his head. I did the same, letting the night vision come to life. We could now see the purple highlights off in the distance. The harvesters were on their way. Bringing the fight. We don't have a lot of time, Ruggy communicated through the goggles chat window. That thing is going to break out. Come on. I used subtle eye movements to type back. Where? Thumping and scratching came from inside the cruiser. The beast was shredding through the metal. Ruggy and I jogged towards the harvester's lights. Ruggy, this is suicide, I typed. Ruggy turned to face me. Harvesters are on to us. They'll catch up. They're faster than us. We can't fight them. You know that. Our best bet is to lure that thing to them. We'll give them a taste of their own medicine. That thing will fuck them up. I swallowed heavily. Ruggy was right. The man knew how to improvise. He'd gotten himself out of difficult situations before. Seeing the dilemma we were in, I had no choice but to follow him. This was for our survival. We'd bring the fight to the harvesters. Give that failed experiment back to them. Clash. Fear nearly demoralized me as I struggled to grasp that this scenario was real. I wasn't trained for this, and neither was Ruggy. He didn't care though. The hothead wanted to bring the brawl to the harvesters. I knew he was right. Wrangling the beast was our best bet. What other options did we have? Those damn gene freaks were marching for us. Chances were they knew our location way before we knew theirs. That was what they did. They were faster, more advanced, and less compassionate. They were the bigger fish. Thwump! A desperate pounding came from our cruiser, and the whole vehicle wobbled. The beast was soon to break free. Ruggy's crazy plan better work. We couldn't outrun them. We couldn't hide from them. The only advantage we had was that abomination. Angie, this way, came Ruggy's message. I stayed close to my partner, hiding behind a boulder. Our night vision from the goggles let us see clearly in the shadowed rocks that shielded us from both threats. Razor-sharp claws peeled the cruiser's door open. The beast sprung out into the lost, charging into the open space on all fours like some enraged great ape. The harvesters held their electro spears, letting them hum with power. The gunmetal chrome suit shined against the light of their weapons. High frequency clicking noises erupted from the outfits. These were the harvesters I was used to. That harvester at the crash site had been a rarity. They were never vulnerable. They were only killers. 
Get ready to fire at the bastards, Ruggy typed. That beast is closing in fast. I watched the harvesters as Ruggy eyed the beast. We were on our own. Game time. Sweat poured down my face as I watched the four harvesters march up the hill. The clicking began to ring in my ear. Their suit's frequencies were always just too high for us humans to handle. They were too close. There was nowhere for us to turn, either. We were backed into a corner. The only way out was to dash at the opportune moment. This plan needed to work. The beast bellowed. Leaping into the air, claws extended. The harvesters were a good two dozen paces away from us. They raised their spears in a defensive stance, ready for the soaring abomination. One harvester typed something into its wrist, causing the suit to open several holes around its wrist and up the forearm. Pitch black tentacles slithered out of the holes and up towards the beast. They reached the creature in a blink of an eye, coiling in midair. The beast hacked at the tentacles, slicing some of them apart. A couple of them wrapped around its limbs. Another grabbed the neck, immobilizing the beast in midair. Shit, let's go, Ruggy typed, sprinting from the hideout. New plan. There was no time to ponder. I joined Ruggy, rushing from the spot back up to the cruiser. Glancing back, I saw the harvesters were stabbing the beast still in midair with their electro spears. Each penetration sent a charge pulsating through the creature's body. It groaned in agony and fell limp. The clicking sounds increased in speed. I think they're on to us, I typed out. Ruggy didn't reply. We ran. Now, I couldn't look back. I didn't want to lose track of Ruggy. Thumping picked up behind us as the clicking continued. They couldn't be far behind. We could only run deeper into the lost, ducking underneath a metal bar. I mimicked every jump, turn, and crouch Ruggy made to avoid obstacles. Our best bet was to use the terrain to shake these bastards loose. We skidded on a decline, reaching a cavern near the bottom. Or maybe it was a building. It was clearly human-made at one point in time, based on the concrete and metal frame. We hurried through the hallway. Large rocks had fallen over, causing the ceiling to cave in. Moss and boulders covered the interior of the cavern. The small entrance would give the harvesters a hell of a time getting in. Ruggy made a sharp turn left and the clicking dissipated. The humid cavern evolved into an old building as we ventured deeper, the plant life lessening. Parts of the floor were destroyed, showing deeper levels below. We carefully avoided falling, stepping around into the next room. Wait, Ruggy typed, holding out his hand. There is a window in the next room. I saw another way, I typed out. Go. I took the lead, guiding us back to a split in the hallway. Each step we made kicked up dust, disrupting our view. I tried not to breathe in too intensely. The air was stale and particles fell softly to the ground. We probably kicked those up as we jogged in. I did my best not to cough. We couldn't make any sound, for the harvesters couldn't be far behind. We followed an incline. Small holes throughout the building let light in. We don't want to go up, Ruggy typed. Windows. What then? I asked. We should go down, Ruggy typed. That's the building's foundation. We'd be trapped. Maybe, maybe not. There are tunnels all over the lost. A loud crash came from behind us. Then, the kicking of rocks. Fast rattling sounds. The harvesters. We don't have a choice, I typed. Next drop, we're taking. There is no time to argue. 
We had to keep moving as the thumping rose. It was distant, but it grew louder. I hopped over the metal wires, rocks, and other rubble. We passed a corridor to a well-preserved hallway. Never had I run this fast before. I panted. My legs felt like delicate twigs, ready to snap at any moment. Our steps echoed. The air was thick, making me lightheaded. And yet, I couldn't stop for there were no breaks. The light holes were less frequent as we traveled deeper. A clear sign we were making progress downward. Once the same. Crashes erupted from behind us. The corridor crumbled as a Herculean gunmetal beam charged towards us. The harvester kept its head low to avoid the ceiling as it stormed forward. Split, Ruggy typed as he dashed into a side room. I got left. I took the next right turn I could, leading straight to a large pile of rubble blocking the path. No, 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 I whined. I spun around a couple of times. The ceiling had no gaps to hop up to. The clicking and footsteps amplified. The rubble in front had a small opening below. I could make it. I had to. I chucked my gun underneath, letting it skid to the other side. My turn. I took a step back and dashed from the gap. Falling onto my side and sliding on the dirty tiles, I stopped about halfway through and pushed with my legs for the remainder of the way. A large hand slammed down as I lifted my foot, missing by a fraction. I got to my feet, snagging my rifle as a hand reached through the gap, attempting to grab anything it encountered. After several pats, the hand slid back. Through the small cracks in the rubble, I watched the harvester stand upright slightly hunching in its full, seamless suit. Small circuitry or neurons in a liquid substance was just below a translucent layer of the suit, pulsating. The gunmetal texture was just below this outer layer. The head stared at me through one of the higher openings. The unsettling part about the harvester was that there were no eyes, no breathing holes, only the shiny, seamless suit with its complex outer membrane. I twitched my eye, shutting off the night vision of the goggles to get a naked look at what humanity had become. The moment held as the harvester stared at me in the poorly lit hall. The clicking stopped. Why? I asked. I wasn't even sure what made me speak. It was kind of a stupid thing to say. This was a harvester, a gene freak of another world. They'd left us to die on this rotting planet. They'd decided that they were better than us and would let humanity rot. Maybe not. The harvester's head tilted, breathing calmly. It punched the rubble, causing dust to fall. The sound startled me, but I remained still. If I ever made it out of this, it would be one hell of a story to tell back at base. Now. I was even closer to a harvester than at the crash site, all on the same scrapping mission. The key was, I had to get out of here to brag about it. A humming came from the suit as small holes appeared on the being's face. No, I mumbled, taking a step back. Black leathery tentacles wiggled their way out of the holes, heading for me. Great, I roared pulling the trigger on my rifle and firing at the approaching appendages, stepping backward. The gun clacked. Shells hit the ground. Bullets pinged off the harvester's face. It didn't flinch. The tentacles closed in. I directed my aim, 
Some bullets shredded the black things, causing them to fall to the ground, oozing translucent liquid. They didn't stop as their torn halves wormed forward. This was pointless. It was time to run. I spun around, sprinting down the hall. The harvester slammed its fist against the rubble several times, sending shards flying. High-pitched clicking erupted like a sputtering engine. Ruggy, where are you? I typed. I took a left turn in a T-intersection and hurried lower into the building. All light vanished. The deeper I went, the more the harvester sound faded. Perhaps the large being could make it through the rubble. A streak of luck. I could only pray to anything listening that this was the end of it. I navigated through my goggles interface to turn on the night vision. Angie, came Ruggie's text. Where are you? Don't share your location. Just tell me. I know that. I'm not a rookie, I typed back. I'm fine, I, th I think. What about you? I got away. I heard it go after you. Then the fires. What happened? It tried to get me, but I snuck through some debris. The fat ass couldn't fit. You lucky girl, Ruggie typed. No shit. What's the plan? You in a safe spot? I responded. There's no windows here. I went deeper, below ground. It's cold, but silent. Good, I typed, feeling relief as I approached a small turnoff. Maybe it had been a closet at some point in time. Either way, now it was as good a hideout as any. You? Ruggy typed. It's dark. I honestly don't know. I think I ditched it. I typed, sliding down to the ground. All right, we'll wait it out. Keep status updates. Anything weird, you share, okay? Confirmed, I replied. We got this, kid, smiley face. Ruggy typed out. I lowered my weapon with a sigh. We were both safe, separated, but we'd make it out of here. Harvesters had been known to give up on a hunt before. They'd better things to do with their time than wait around for a couple of humans. One last attempt. A light touch grazed on my calf causing me to jump. I spun to face the wall, rifle pointed. Nothing. The sensation moved upward, pricking. I reacted, dropping my gun in a spasm. I twisted my leg. There, on my calf, a black remnant of the tentacle inched its way up to me. I squealed, covering my mouth. No sound was my friend. Several deep breaths calmed me down as I watched the thing crawl up my leg. A sharp rock was on the floor. That'd do. I leaned down gradually, keeping my eye on the wiggler. My hand reached for the rock, carefully avoiding sudden movement. I snagged the sharp stone and lifted it at the thing, ready to sideswipe. One deep breath in, and I swung. The rock slapped the wiggler, knocking it off my leg. It fell onto the ground and squirmed. I landed on my knees as I pushed the stone onto the tentacle, crushing it. That wasn't enough. I raised the rock and continued to smash the wiggler until it was a flat disc, squirting transparent liquid everywhere. Some chunks of it rose from the mess, trying to move. Die, I said through my teeth, slamming the rock down several more times, ending the final blow with a twist. I paused, waiting for it to make another move. It didn't. I had won. Finally, the hunt was over. Now Ruggie and I would wait this out. We'd get out of here. The wait. Time became an abstract concept. 
I wasn't sure if I stayed in the abandoned wreckage for hours or days. I preferred it that way. It would be easy enough to turn on the timestamp in the chat thread Ruggy and I had open, but I didn't want to. Watching those numbers go by every moment would be discouraging. We knew that the harvesters would give up on the hunt eventually. The challenge was knowing when. It wasn't like they were on a stopwatch. The two of us could stay in the dark for days if we wanted, or we could attempt to return to the lost, risking our lives, for the harvesters could be waiting right outside. I was comfortable waiting longer. What was the rush? No one would miss two scrappers back at base. The harsh reality was that Ruggy and I weren't anyone special and we would never be. Scrappers were disposable, which was hard to believe considering the diminishing human population. The higher-ups didn't care. We served a purpose in this new world by gathering the remnants of the old for those deemed better than us. As the hours or days passed, I kept thinking back to the operator that brought us here, Operator 43S3. I'd never met him. Ruggy said he did once and the guy was a typical computer geek, fast-talking with poor posture. We needed folks like him, though. I just didn't get why he would send us out to a death trap. Operator 43S3 had to have known he was leading us to a harvester's crash site. Maybe he was taking orders from someone above. Perhaps he thought we were disposable and only wanted the goods from the crash site so he could be rewarded for his discovery. Who knew? We'd get some answers when we got back to base. Eventually. Think it is safe, though, go? I typed with swift eye movements, controlling my goggles interface. My eye twitched unintentionally, making the typo. The stress and exhaustion were catching up with me. Nah, Ruggy replied. We'd best wait another day just to be sure. A day? How long have we been down in here? I instantly regretted asking the question knowing that an answer would tell me exactly how long we'd been sitting in the dark. A couple of days, Ruggy typed. I have enough capsules to last a week. You? Same. The survival kit was full when I grabbed it. A couple of days. My mind could barely wrap around the fact that I had been sitting in the same spot for that long. The night vision from the goggles made the dark more bearable. Barely. Plus, it was warmer down here than on the surface. I kept staring at the harvester's crushed tentacle. I knew it was destroyed, but I couldn't help wondering if it would pop back up and attack me. Or perhaps it was like a beacon signal for the harvesters, and they would come for me. It was nonsense. I knew that wasn't going to happen. If it were true, the harvesters would have come for me by now. Either way, it hadn't helped me get any sleep. If we're going to stay down here another day, how about we meet up? I typed. We've been through this. The fewer movements, the better. If they can scan the landscape, can't they detect heat anyway? This is pointless. We don't know what type of tech the harvesters have. We can only make educated guesses. The whole point is to survive this ordeal. I want to give that operator a piece of my mind, I replied. Trust me, so do I, Ruggy typed. That rat knew what he was doing when he sent us to the harvesters crash site. I want to know what was in it for him. Ruggy and I exchanged some messages back and forth a few times. Other than that, we didn't have much else to say to one another. We'd scrapped together long enough that we knew each other well. No point in small talk. 
Most of my time was spent evaluating the digital map in my goggles interface to try and guess where I was and where he was. The maps were from the old world. We didn't have any satellites to make up the lost, so I could only guess where I was. Based on the map, it had been some skyscrapers at one point in time, collapsed during humanity's split. Exploration I was careful not to overuse my goggles battery life. I could spend days just browsing around the maps and local documents. These things were high tech for humans, but lacked the otherworldly wonders that the harvesters had. So I eventually did get up from my location and wandered the halls. Ruggie didn't need to know. If he wanted us to wait another day, I needed to get a better sense of my environment. His reasoning about the scanning tech that the harvesters had was stupid anyway. The night vision goggles let me navigate through the crooked, uneven hallways. No light was visible, making it safe to say I was underground. Some of the halls had intact doorways, so I could enter. I walked into a room, avoiding the walls and rocks. The last thing I needed was to make some noise and alert the harvester or break something and have the ceiling collapse. The room was mostly the same as the hallway. It did have some snapped planked woods and some garbage and something that was once clothing, I think. Anything we found in the lost was usually a wreck due to past fires, falling rocks, or deterioration rendering it useless. I left the room. There was nothing of value there. The hallways led farther into the unknown but I didn't want to go too far from my location. All I wanted was to get a better sense of my environment. Everywhere here was as dead as the closet. Meeting point. The wait finally ended when Ruggie texted. Okay, let's get the hell out of here. Relief. We'd finally be getting out of this dungeon. Where should we meet? I asked. You remember where we split? See if we can meet up there. Ruggy typed. If we don't meet there, we'll find each other on the surface. Ruggy's order sealed the deal. We could return to the lost. A second thought entered my mind. What if the harvesters never left? They had probes. They could be waiting for us to tire out and leave our hideouts. We had no way of knowing. I knew Ruggy must have finally gotten sick of sitting around like me. It was time to face our fate. I retraced the steps that led me to the dark hideout I'd been staying at all those days. The moldy, musty smell was beyond irritating. Retracing my path wasn't difficult. The collapsed rubble that separated me and the harvester was precisely where I remembered it being. This time, there was no harvester. I slid my gun through the slit and then moved under to the other side. I eyed the opposite side of the hallway, eyes glued to the opposing room. The one that Ruggie had entered. He was nowhere to be seen. Ruggie, I'm back, I typed. I couldn't find out how I got here, Ruggie replied. I think I'm getting close to the surface though. Chords? I asked. Negative 22.951470, negative 43.212165. That was something useful. We'd meet up back on the surface. With the new plan in mind, I backtracked to whence Ruggie and I first entered the cavern. It was easy enough. I was not sure how Ruggie was having a difficult time, but it didn't matter. Get out of here, get to the cruiser, 
and give that operator a piece of our mind back at base. The closer I got to the cavern entrance, the brighter the light grew. The old world architecture was replaced with rocks, plants, and rubble, the aftermath of conflict. A part of me wanted to explore farther into the cavern and discover artifacts down there. But what for? Our history was mostly archived in digital storage. Anything else took up space, and I didn't need to haul that around. I found the cavern's entrance and hiked out into the Lost. Despite the clouded atmosphere, some light made it through to the planet's surface. It was daytime. I shut off the night vision on my goggles and scanned the terrain. There were no signs of the Harvester ground troops and no sign of their ship. It's all clear here, Ruggy. I typed while walking towards the coordinates he provided. Good. Seems clear here too. Ruggy typed. I'm almost at rendezvous. Cattle. We had beaten the Harvesters at their own game. Sure, we may have wrecked our cruiser in the process from our encounter with the beast, but we survived. No one survives the Harvesters. We have some bragging rights here when we get back to base, I typed. The coordinates Ruggy supplied weren't far. Reaching them took no time at all. The area was an open patch of rubble. Nearby rocks and collapsed towers were a good dozen paces away. This had to be some sort of park, based on the Goggles Old World map. Ruggy? I typed, looking around the area. The wind blew past me, lifting dust into my face. No one. There didn't seem to be any cavern entrances nearby either. Ruggy, did you mess up the coordinates? I'm out in the open. No reply. Something wasn't right. My instincts told me to get the hell out of there, yet Ruggy ordered me to come here. Ruggy, I'm moving, I typed. Stay, Ruggy typed. Where are you? I replied. Still alarmed, I took my first step back as a humanoid morphed into the space. The massive being's form rippled from thin air and into full view. The gunmetal armor shined in the daylight as high-pitching clicking began to project from the being. Shit! Ruggy! I called out, pulling my rifle's trigger. The gun clacked, firing bullets at the harvester walking towards me. Stay, ally, Ruggy typed. Ruggy, where are you? I stopped typing. Ally? I thought, firing at the approaching harvester. Clarity of the mind made my stomach invert, realizing that I hadn't been talking to Ruggy at all. Maybe at one point I had been. I didn't know. The harvesters had hacked our communication port. It was supposed to be a closed-off network, but clearly it wasn't. The bullets pinged off the harvester's suit as it marched. The clicking sound changed tempo in a wave motion, moving faster and slower. I continued to back up in the open space. Glancing back, I saw I could make a run for it. I had to try. Guns were pointless. I sprinted from my battle stance, dashing as fast as I could. Footsteps thudded. The harvester picked up its pace. Click, 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 click. Ruggy, answer me, I typed. I wasn't sure if he'd get the message. The harvesters were always one step ahead of us. I had to try. There's no other way of communicating with him. Ally, come here, the harvester typed. Ruggy, I cried out as a large hand snagged my arm, spinning me around. I pulled the trigger of my rifle, trying to do anything to save my skin. The bullets pinged off the armor. The harvester swatted the weapon clean from my hand, knocking it to the ground. 
It snatched my neck as a spear rose from a small opening in the harvester's palm. The weapon expanded into full form as it sparked to life, humming an electro spear. The harvester plunged the weapon into my gut, causing my whole body to tense up. The shock erupted through my chest and into every limb of my body. The pulsation hit my head and traveled through the goggles, frying them. The interface was gone. My head spun. I had lost all control. I could see... No. My vision was blurry. I could hear... A little. I felt... Nothing. Numbness. My captor chucked me to the ground as two more harvesters rippled into view from thin air. The high-frequency clicking multiplied as the beings stared at me. I tried to fight the electrical current that numbed my body. I had to. No one else was going to get me out of this. I couldn't. The muscles didn't respond to the stress of the situation. The release of control provided an odd sense of calmness as my captor dumped my body into a large steel crate. Holes horizontally lined the container walls. These were air holes to let me breathe. I could hear groans other than my own. The smell of sweat and dirt filled the space. Other humans were in the cage with me. We were cattle. Harvested. And that is the end of episode 10 and the finale for Into the Macrocosm, season 3 of the episodic audiobooks. I really hope you enjoyed this series of standalone shorts that uh, yeah, I've been working on on the blog for quite a while. And the full collection was revised and edited in 2020 and released 2021. Now, if you do want to find out what happened to the nameless one and check out some of the other juicy and chilling stories found within this collection, do find Into the Macrocosm on all major distributors in hardcover, softcover, uh, ebook, and in audio format, which is what you're listening to. Audible, Apple Books, uh, Google Books, Kobo, all of those, Kindle. So, and if you want more, there's always the Patreon where I'm adding new stories that's expanding the macrocosm, which will eventually lead to a new volume where we get to learn even more pieces that connect the various genres and stories that I write. As seen on the website, there's a timeline that shows how everything goes from mental damnation to the modern world and to this futuristic scrappers and harvesters universe. So, thank you for listening and. And as I mentioned, if you want more, check out all the distributors, check out the Patreon, share this with your friends, and I'll catch you in another episode. Ciao. 